Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Well, it's hard to believe, but next Sunday will be my last Sunday here, and I want to say to you what a privilege and a pleasure it has been for me to serve our congregation. I am so excited for you all, for Pastor Doug and Pastor Chris, who are going to be starting on the uh, 29th. Uh, which is just a week from tomorrow. And they're excited to be coming here. I really believe that you have a bright future ahead, despite all the challenges we face as a church and as a nation. I want to confess to you also that there's a lot more that I wanted to do here. But as we know, we are where we are with this COVID virus. Uh, There were a lot more leadership training events that I wanted to conduct, but I wasn't able to do that. And so that's one of the reasons why I've been doing this sermon series the last few weeks to try and share with those that couldn't be at the one leadership training event I did to share with you some skills and tools that I believe that can promote our growth in spiritual maturity. The title of the sermons I've been doing the last few weeks is Becoming a Spiritually Mature Church. And we've been looking at some ways that we can promote our growth in spiritual maturity. Now, I began the sermon series several weeks ago with a sermon entitled, Time to Grow Up. And in that sermon, we discovered that God's will for every Christian is to be spiritually mature. And spiritual maturity is just another way of saying that God wants us to become more and more like His Son, Jesus Christ. So that when people look at us, they see Jesus in us through our words as well as our actions. The word Christian, someone has pointed out, means little Christ. So when people see us, they should be able to see Christ. And I shared with you in that sermon three steps we could take to promote our spiritual maturity. In the second sermon, I talked about improving our relationships. And one of the things we learned in that sermon is that part of being a spiritually mature Christian means having the ability to promote and maintain healthy relationships. And those relationships are not just here in the church but in our families, with our spouse, with our children, where we work, wherever we live and work together. And so I shared with you some ways in which we could improve our relationships. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the importance of building bridges. And in that sermon, we discovered that there are many differences that exist in every church. I don't care what church you're talking about, whether it's Trinity Church or whether it's Temple Baptist across the highway, or whether we're talking about First Baptist downtown or First Presbyterian, or the Bridge, or Grace Church, or whatever. Every church has differences. And there's differences in age, differences in gender, racial differences, differences in how we view social issues, socioeconomic differences, differences in levels of education, ideological, political, theological differences, and I could go on and on. So the question is not whether we're going to have differences in the church. The question is how do we begin to bridge those differences? And in that sermon, I suggested three ways that we could begin to bridge the differences that we might have. So we might be able to work together and love each other as Christ commands us. Now today in this last sermon of the sermon series, though, I want to do something a little bit different. 
I want us to take a look at one of the biggest obstacles to our growth in spiritual maturity. And you know, this may surprise you. It's something seemingly small and insignificant. And it's something James points out to. And that's the way in which we use our words. I've been an interim minister. Well, I've been in ministry for almost 40 years. And I've been an interim minister for over 10 years. I've served over a dozen churches. And some of those churches I served had a lot of conflict. But one of the things I've discovered is one major driving force and fuel for conflict in a church is how people use their words. I often find that churches where there is a lot of conflict, there's a lot of gossip. And a lot of those churches are conflict avoidant. For example, if I have a problem with someone, instead of going directly to that person and sharing my concern with them in a spirit of love, my tendency is to go to someone else and to tell someone else how bad that person is. And then they in turn go and tell someone else and they in turn go tell someone else. And the conflict escalates. I call that triangling, but we have another word for it. It's gossip. But it has to do with how we use our tongues. And in our scripture reading today, James offers us some words that are helpful in us in thinking about how we manage our words. So what I want to do this morning is I want to make two brief observations about the tongue and why it needs to be tamed. But before I do so, let's join together in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Once there was a pious woman with a rather sharp tongue who professed to be a Christian, but who gossiped like an old hen. One day she approached the pastor of her church in London. She complained that the white cloth bands that he wore with his pulpit gown were altogether too long and that this annoyed her greatly. She wanted permission to shorten them and had come armed with a pair of scissors. Well, the pastor agreed, handed over the bands, and the woman snipped away and handed the bands back to the pastor. Then the pastor said, Now, my good woman, there's something about you that's altogether too long, which has irritated me and many others for quite some time. And since one good turn deserves another, I'd like your permission to shorten it. Startled, the woman said, certainly, sir, you have my permission to do so. And here are the shears. Whereupon the pastor smiled and said, very well, madam, stick out your tongue. Stick out your tongue. Now, this story further reminds me of a woman by the name of Arabella Young. Arabella Young. On her tombstone in an English country cemetery, her epitaph reads, Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. You know, when you go to the doctor's office, used to be one of the first things you were asked to do was to stick out your tongue. And the doctor would usually use a tongue depressor and press down your tongue and examine your throat and mouth. Now, the tongue's a great help in determining our physical condition. Well, in our scripture reading this morning, James declares that the same principles at work in assessing our spiritual condition. 
It's been said that we know metals by their tinkling and people by their talking. You ever heard that? We know metals by their tinkling and people by their talking. Well, you know, the writer James demonstrates that although the tongue is small, it has great influence and power over the rest of the body. It's true. And you know, it may only weigh two ounces, but it can cause tons of damage. Now, as I indicated earlier, I'd like to make a couple of brief observations this morning about the tongue and why it needs to be tamed. And as usual, if you'd like to follow along, I encourage you to do so by following my PowerPoint presentation. It has the sermon outline. And if you're worshiping with us today in the Trinity Center, you can follow along uh, by following the screens. Or if you are worshiping at home, following along on the Facebook streaming page, uh, I invite you to follow along by uh, looking at my PowerPoint outline, which is to my right, and I think it's on the left side of your screen. And I encourage you to take notes. Consider what God is saying to us this week about how we manage our words, how we use our tongues. So let's begin with the first observation about the tongue and why it needs to be tamed. First of all, our tongue should bless rather than burn another human being. Our tongue should bless rather than burn another human being. The story's told about two literary clubs at the University of Wisconsin a number of years ago. There was a group of brilliant young men who gathered to read their stories and essays to each other. Now, they dubbed themselves the Stranglers. The Stranglers. So fierce was their criticism of one another. No punches were pulled. They dissected each other's work unmercifully. But there was a women's literary club there as well. And they called themselves the Wranglers. The Wranglers. They offered helpful criticism to one another. But above all, they supported and encouraged one another in their writing careers. They hunted for kind things to say. Years later came the results. Not one man in the men's literary group became a writer of note. But from the women's literary group, more than a half dozen went on to become famous writers. One of whom was a woman by the name of Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings. Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings. Maybe you've heard of her. If not, you probably read her Pulitzer Prize winning novel, The Yearling. Proverbs 12, 18 says, Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal. Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal. So let me ask you, when people hear us speak, when they hear our words, do they hear words of blessing and words of healing? Do they hear words of encouragement and exhortation? Words that help and heal? Or instead, do they hear words of criticism, words of attack, words that hurt and injure? You know, what people hear is entirely up to us because we're in control of our words. I don't control your words any more than you control mine, but I do control what I say. We need to ask ourselves this question. 
Ask yourself this. To which support group does your tongue belong? The stranglers or the wranglers? And that brings us to the second brief observation I'd like to make about the tongue and why it needs to be tamed. Second, our tongues reveal whether we're connected to the spirit or the sewer. Our tongues reveal whether we're connected to the spirit or the sewer. Now, I believe James indicates this in verse 12 when he writes, Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? You see, what we say on the outside is determined by what's on the inside. Jesus expressed this same thought in the Gospel of Matthew. And you probably heard this before when he said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you all remember Jesus saying that? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, our words reveal whether our hearts are filled with treasures of heaven or the trash of this world. So again, when people hear us speak, what do they conclude is in our heart? Are our hearts filled with heavenly treasures or with worldly trash? You know, I recently read about four medical specialists, four medical specialists who were arguing about which part of the body is most important for life. They couldn't reach a consensus among themselves, so they consulted a rabbi. Of course, the heart and blood vessels are the most important, said the cardiologist, for on them the whole of life depends. Not at all, said the neurologist. It's the brain and the nerves that are the most vital. For without them, even the heart wouldn't beat. The gastroenterologist said, you're both wrong. It's the stomach and the digestive tract that are the most important. For without the proper digestion of food, the body will die. The lungs are the most important, said the pulmonary specialist. For a person without air will surely die. You're all wrong, said the rabbi. There are only two vessels of the body that are important, but you have no knowledge of them. What are they, asked the specialist. The rabbi answered, the first is the channel that runs from the ear to the soul. The second is the channel that runs from the soul to the tongue. Now, folks, this is the exact anatomy lesson that Dr. James of Jerusalem is sharing in our scripture lesson today. You see, when our tongues are connected to God, our words flow from a fountain that blesses life and doesn't corrupt it. Our words are to be governed by God. So again, let me ask, when we speak, are our words governed by God? Are our words guided and directed by the Holy Spirit? Do we give thought to what we say? Or do we just let the words fly when we're angry or when we're upset or when we're irritated or maybe when we're anxious? Our words are to be governed by God. And you know, we are responsible for what we say. Jesus pointed this out again in the Gospels when he pointed out that every idle word that people will speak, they shall give account of in the day of judgment. 
That's a sobering thought, isn't it? We are responsible for our words. And we need to have our words governed by God. We need to have our words directed and inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's how we speak positive things. It may not be completely in our power, but we have power available to us as Christians that can help us manage our words. Well, I want to close with this last illustration. Once upon a time, there was a preacher who visited a rural church as the guest speaker. Now, he had a reputation for being a great orator, and he lived up to that reputation. His words were powerful. His gestures were perfect, and his logic was persuasive. Now, his sermon had very little to do with the Bible, but as a speech, it was a masterpiece. Well, when the sermon was over, an old man in the audience was asked what he thought of it. Now, the old man had been a Christian for many years, and he was known as a man with much wisdom, but few words. He summed up the preacher's sermon in this way. Much wind, loud thunder, no rain. Much wind, loud thunder, no rain. I hope you don't think of my sermons that way. But you know, that's not a very good testimony. We Christians can do a lot of talking. But the true test of faith is whether or not our talking is consecrated by God. You know, the tongue is a tremendously powerful tool. With it, we can make a person feel like a zero, or we can lift them up to the zenith of life. So, how are we using our words and managing our language? Are we using our words to build people up are we allowing our words to be guided and directed by the Holy Spirit so that we, pe- that we speak positive and edifying things to build up our church? Only we can decide that. But let me just say this. If the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit was in control of every tongue in this church, it would be like Pentecost all over again. It really would. You probably remember this old song, But as the old song put it, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. So may God tame our tongues that they may become instruments of blessing and praise to all who hear us. Well, may God take our tongues and lips and speak through them with His love and light. Whoever has the ears to hear, let that one hear what the Spirit says to the church. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.